Audi ISD is moving in a new way forward, and we want to keep you in the loop. So during each episode of our podcast, we'll bring in new people. People like teachers, students, staff, even district leaders to talk about all the things happening in Aldean ISD. Welcome back to another episode of All the Things, the Aldean ISD podcast. We've already started talking and I can't get my guest to stop. He's got me laughing and giggling (laughs) and everything else. But before I get started, I want to share my top three for the week. I want y'all to know you can get your uh, pumpkin lattes, your caramel apple um, pies and candles out. What did you say? The caramel apple latte is really good. I just had one. I'm not usually that person, but I had. Because fall is here. It is. So when you think about fall, what else do you think of? Um, Everything that you said and then getting to stay home during the holidays. Because I think about like fall being back. I think about long cardigans. I think about sweaters. Sweater weather. And um, I also think about boots and hay. And yesterday my husband said, is this when you go to the pumpkin patch? So all those things remind me of fall, but absolutely football as well. So none of those things for me, but that's okay. That's why we're different <laughs> that, people. Which it is, also is why this is my, my book's show. about, but we'll talk about the book later. <laughs> and my top three. <laughs> all right. My next one is, um, so this episode is going to air in mid-October. And, you know, now we're at the end of Hispanic Heritage Month. Um, in, in Aldine, we celebrate so many things. We celebrate, observe, and honor so many things. And we're closing out Hispanic Heritage Month. I love seeing all the pictures of our staff members dressed up in their um, attire and garb. And also, you know, the book um, discussion that we had, the uh, authors, the uh, Lotiera card, all of those things to really celebrate the diversity of our school district. But we are entering into an important month. Well, we're in the middle of an important month, National Principal Month. And I know, because I read your emails, that you know principals are the key to making it all happen. They work like crazy, too. They do. They do. I have some favorite um, principals that send me text messages and hit me up on Twitter. But I have some some principals I just haven't gotten to know yet. My goal is to get to know all of them. I think I know them all by name. I I can't necessarily match them with the school, but I can be like, oh, that's the principal. That's she's a principal or he's a principal. The schools, not so much. There's so many. They're also they're all wonderful in their own way. Yes. So celebrating them is is a thing we should all be doing. So Agree. if you see a principal, give them a high five, a hug, a handshake, an elbow bump. Yes. A gift. You tell them thank you for running everything. Absolutely. And um also, boss's day. Celebrate your boss. If you haven't already gotten a gift, you have time, October 16th, but I promise you they will accept gifts for the rest of the month. I forgot. I'm glad you said it. Yeah. Make it happen. I know who your boss is. You do. I'm going to make it happen. (laughs) Make it happen. (laughs) Um, I didn't really celebrate Boss's Day until um, I forgot about it, right? Like, I always took care of my boss, and one day I realized, oh, I'm a boss. And my team showed up with this, like, party, and I was like, oh, this was like a long time ago. I was like, oh, I guess I get to be celebrated. You know, I'm used to celebrating other people. I agree. It's weird, right? It is. When you become a boss and then your boss's day is about you and all this time, like 20 years, you've been celebrating somebody else. Exactly. So It was a little uncomfortable the first time. It is, but, it, you know, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> I am finishing a book that came from one of your librarians. Are they called librarians? They are not called librarians. I was going to save that for the discussion, but since we're in it, they're information literacy specialists. Okay, so ILS. Is- ILS. So one of your ILSs, shout out to Hoffman. Yes, William. He sent me some book mail. Yep. 
and he sent it at the beginning of the month, and it was an advanced copy of a Jodi Picoult book. This book has been difficult to read, not because it's hard or challenging, but because it feels so real. I don't want to ruin it for anyone, but I'll just give you a little bit. The book is about um, a young lady who has gone on a vacation during COVID, and her fiancé is back home in New York City as an attending resident at a hospital. I, like, have had to stop and start reading this book because the words feel so real. It feels like I am living, well, I'm living now. Like, it feels like it's, it will be, I can imagine in 15 years, people will be like, no way that happened. But it, it is happening. And she has, you know, she's on this island and has no clue what's happening in America because she can't email her hu- her fiance because there's no Wi-Fi and she can't. And they're like missing each other. And he's talking about how he just went to work one time, one night and never left for seven days. It is like I literally have had to be like, OK, I can read and then I'll put it down and be like, oh, that was a lot. It's it's amazing. Her so, books are all they're not all tough like that, but they're all big books like that. They're big, right? And so I, one thing that I really enjoy about her book is that her style is to disappear. You know, you can read another author and be like, "Oh, that's a blah blah blah" cuz the style of the words or the characters. Her style is that you never you don't know that she wrote the book except because it's so complicated. She takes on the voice and the tone, you know, and sometimes I don't know if you do this, but like I picture the person. Yes. And she just takes on that look. And so anyway. I feel like she also just tells the story, whereas some authors, like you said, they they almost interfere in the story. Mm-hmm. I feel like she's just sitting there telling you a story and you're en- enraptured by the story. Oh, that's a, oh, that's a great description. Thank that you. That's why you're the director. Of- There's many reasons. No. <laughs> I like that reason. That's why I'm Italian because I talk a lot. <laughs> No, but you said something that mattered, too. You oh, just I did. That's talking. true. Sometimes that happens. Okay, so those are my three. <laughs> so I want to make sure that we introduce you officially so people know who you are. Thanks. Okay? Yep. So today joining us is Marco Zan... Oh, man. That's okay. Zanier. Marco Zanier Virginillo. Virginillo. That's yeah. It. He's the program director for library services here in Aldine. He's been in education 25 years, serving as a teacher, librarian, instructional specialist, instructional coach, and an educational consultant. He's also been an adjunct professor at the University of North Texas for more than 10 years and co-authored a book on school librarianship. He has served in the Laura Bush Foundation for American Libraries and is currently one of the co-chairs of Teen Book Con. That's me. Look, that's some amazing things there. So tell me about North Texas. So that's where I got my master's degree. Um, i I don't know if people know this, but librarians actually have to have a master's degree. Mm-hmm. And remember, we're, ours aren't called librarians. Right. They're called information literacy specialists. Mm-hmm. So our information literacy specialists have to get a master's degree. So they would have been classroom teachers first. They have to have two years of classroom experience at least. And then they go back and get a master's degree. So mine is from University of North Texas. And shortly after graduating, I was asked to come on as an uh, adjunct professor uh, I started assisting in one course the semester right after I graduated, and then they took me on as an adjunct, and I was able to design and teach several courses for oh, the university. That's a great story. I know. It's exciting. And yeah. now I'm the practicum professor, so I actually get the 
students who are just about to graduate and become librarians. So I'm the last person that gets to interact with them and make sure they're ready for the job. To make sure they're ready. You know, I actually know one other person who is getting his master's degree to be a librarian. Exciting. Yeah. I was working at a university for a review, and he was getting his master's degree. And now he works at... I don't want to mess it up. He works at a university. He wanted to be like the histor- the archi- archivist. Yes. Yep. Um, so I was like, who? What? I, I mean, I like books, but that's... That's a whole different thing. It's a, I, it's a different ballgame. Yeah. I couldn't be an archivist. That's a whole different thing. Yeah. Okay. So my official first question, okay? Libraries look a lot different than they did when I was in school and probably when you were in school. I'm thinking Dewey Decimal System. I'm thinking the pullout drawers. Kids who are listening right. have no clue what I'm talking about. Right. I'm thinking about the cards. I'm looking at my team. They don't know either. They don't either. They're all too young. They're all too young. (laughs) What would you say is the most common misconception about libraries and librarians? So this one's going to almost come out wrong when I say it, and then I'll explain it, I promise. But a lot of people think immediately with libraries and librarians, they immediately think books. Uh, And I actually have had principals who were retired say, oh, I wish we would go back to the things, the way things were when libraries were just, you know, book places and kids would come in and librarians would just share books. And we do do that. So that is a really important part of our job. But that's a misconception because libraries and librarians are about so much more than books. Um, And that's why we've changed their title to information literacy specialist, because they do a ton of other things that are related to information literacy, which is different from just literacy, which is reading. What's information literacy about then? So information literacy is about connecting people to the information that they need. And so that that happens in more ways now than it used to. So when when you and I, and I think I'm probably older than you. That's okay. (laughs) When I was little... and, and Sister, what was her name? I don't know, but she was a nun. You went to Catholic school? I went to a Catholic school. Sister Ulima, that was her name. Sister Ulima was the, the librarian, and we were all scared of her. So <laughs> we would go in, and we'd be real quiet, and she'd read us a story, and you might ask her for a book you wanted to read, and she would find that, and that was sort of the extent of sure. what she did. Um, now librarians will connect you with whatever you need, and they can help not just the students coming in, but staff, parents, anyone. So, uh, for example, in one of the jobs I had when I was a campus librarian, we created a medical website for our families to use to get medical information in multiple languages because that was a need that our community had. So uh, librarians or information literacy specialists can connect anyone to anything. We always say we don't know everything, but we know how to find everything. Mm, That was such a good explanation. So I'm going to just throw this out there, and y'all can talk about me later. The other thing is that I think in my mind, I think librarians are like old ladies that wear, like, their hair in a bun and cardigans and glasses. And like you said, you walk in, you're like, could you please help me find XYZ book? But that's not the case. I mean, first off, you don't have a bun in your head. I don't. And you're not a woman. I'm kind of sad. You do have glasses. There's not a camera. Because, look, I can take the glasses (laughs) off, and it's even better. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, wh- who wants to be a librarian? Like, what does a librarian look like? What are their skills? What are, you know, what's the desire to be a librarian? I think it's well, a— okay, let me, let me fix myself. Okay. An information literacy specialist. Thank you for fixing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no, our, we have a desire to serve and to connect people with facts, data, information, or whatever it is they're exploring. So I, I know I've been talking about facts. One of the reasons I do that a lot is because I used to be a nonfiction librarian. Ah. So that was my focus. So I apologize if I drift into that realm. But we also like connecting 
students or people with books that are of interest to them. So oftentimes, schools principals want us to make sure that we have books that are related to the curriculum, which is great, and we do that as well. But oftentimes, students come into the library to explore the world and to explore themselves because they're just figuring out who they are, especially when you get to like middle school and high school level. Those kids are just figuring out who they actually are, what their personality is, what it is they like, what they may want to do in their future. And so sometimes when they come in the library, it's a place of exploration where they're trying to find themselves and their futures in the books. And librarians are all about connecting people to that information. So do you see first-year teachers or second-year teachers and you're looking at them going, ding, 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 you can be a lib- information literacy, <laughs> literacy specialist. specialist? So I don't know if I've ever picked one out in the first or second year, but normally someone is picked out because you can see that skill ah. in a person. And that's actually how I became a, a librarian. I'm, so I'm going to use the word librarian because when I started, that's what they called me. Okay. Okay. Um, but I was a teacher on a campus and I had never actually wanted to be a librarian. I know when if my any of my librarians or ILS are listening to this, they're going to be appalled that I said that on a microphone. <laughs> but I actually never wanted to be a librarian. Uh, I was a middle school English teacher and my librarian was moving to a high school uh-huh. and she knocked on my door, my classroom door one day and said, hey, I'm leaving. You need to take my place. Oh. Right. And I had the same reaction. I was like, yeah, no, because I don't have that degree and I have no interest in that. And she said, oh, no, you do. Trust me. You would be perfect for this job. And she talked me through it and convinced me to enroll. Did and she I, pay for the school? She did not do oh, that well. part. I wish she had done that part. <laughs> <laughs> but I paid for that part and I enrolled and got the degree. And now I love it. As you can see, I'm still in that job. Yeah, you're so. smiling really hard. I know. I, lo- I really do love this job. And if you meet any of my ILSs, you'll see the same smile on their faces. Okay. I'm not going to ask you, do you have any favorites? But l- I will ask you. What um, what should our families and our students look forward to when they go to the libraries on their school campuses? And are they still called libraries? They are still called libraries uh, because, so again, a lot of times in the past, we tied the person to the place. Right. So uh-huh. it was librarian because she was in the library. But if you talk to my information literacy specialists, a lot of them do push out instruction in classrooms. Um, Now that we have devices, they can carry their laptop or tablet with them and go assist in a teacher planning meeting. They can go into a classroom, pull up information on computers, project it, share it with students. Um, So they're not necessarily tied to the space. So they're not sitting on those special carpets in the libraries? Because you all know all libraries have special carpets. So, yes, all elementary libraries. I mean, that's the memory. (laughs) That's the memory that I have. Yes, you can go to an elementary library in Aldean and you can sit on a special carpet. So they're not sitting behind that big wooden desk waiting on you to come in. They could be in your classroom. See, you're thinking about the old librarians again with the buns and the glasses. I I know. I can't help it. That's what I remember. (laughs) Well, they loved sitting back there, didn't they? Anytime, like you could count on you. You walked in, they were going to be back there. They were going to be sitting right there. (laughs) No, mine, I I have to tell them ahead of time I'm coming to visit because I never know where they're going to be. Oh, that's great. um, And one of my favorite things when I was a campus librarian that I would say to my teachers was, I just work in this space. This is not mine. This space is yours. It's for the students. They let me work here. If you decide you don't want me in this space, I'll go work in a different room. This is your space. So speaking of those spaces, they were also very quiet spaces, silent libraries like You went there to be quiet. I also remember, so two memories about library, three memories about libraries for me. One is like the elementary library with the special carpet and the wooden desk. You like that carpet. I do. (laughs) But also, also in college, you know, I went to the library on the fourth floor of the John B. Coleman Library at Prairie View University. And 
no one was there. No. And you sat in those book bays. You did. Yeah. And yes. like, I had to go pull out the cards to find my stuff. And then you go over to Microfish seat. That's and then so you funny. Like, you know, you know, you go find your research. All the young people are like, what is They're she like, talking, what is she talking about? about? That's my second memory. What kind memory. of fish? Microfish. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then my third memory is like, um, in, high, in middle school, asking my mom to take me to the um, county library to get my library card. Right. It was also still a very quiet place. So are libraries still like silent and quiet places? They are not quiet places. Now, my elementary and my pre-K ILS, they do maintain order <laughs> because they have little children. So <laughs> well, you got to do that. There's a process. Like uh-huh. you come in, we sing a song, we sit cross leg, you know, we have a whole thing. But no, we're not usually quiet places, which sometimes shocks teachers, especially if they've been in teaching a long time and they grew up in those quiet libraries. That's not what we have. Um, I don't know if you've been into one of our libraries where there's a makerspace going on. Mm, Tell me more. Okay. So makerspaces are creation and exploration stations in our libraries uh, where kids can, it's hands-on learning. So sometimes it's robotics. Sometimes it's creating things out of random materials. It's places for, for kids to really just explore and try to develop things and create things that may, they may not get to create because they don't have that sort of open ability to do so in a classroom because there's a set curriculum. So it's kind of a go wild space, not like go wild, scream and throw things, but like go wild with your imagination and just create. And okay. Wait, I have a new name for a library. Okay. No, no need. Okay. So the library library should now be called the imagination room. I like that. See, we, we have a different name for it. And, of course, I'm not going to remember it now because we're on the mic. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, learning, ex- learning Commons. That's what they call oh, them. Oh, I kind of like that. It's kind of okay. But just like you said, it doesn't quite express. Yeah, or the imagination The imagination, yeah. The exploration Commons. The world of exploration, yes. We need something the, to, the, to, like, take the walls off. Yes. Oh, that's so funny that you said that because Library Without Walls was my – first project coming into Aldane. It oh, was tell me. the first thing I proposed was that we we can't keep ourselves trapped within the four walls of the library, that our services run much further than the walls. So it was about, and now I'm going to put in a little plug for a project that me and my ILS did. Um, if you go to any campus website and you go to resources and click library, you can now find uh, a website where one didn't always exist. So oh. in the past, there there wasn't there wasn't equity as far as websites on uh, web pages on different campuses, you're speaking to my heart. Okay, good. Which communications? Word? Okay, making sure that everything is available. Yes, yes. That's, that bothered me when yeah. I took this job. Is that there were some library web pages, but in some schools there were not. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know, all of our students and families need access to all of the great materials we have. So we actually have now a a web page that lives on every campus page where families can access ebooks and digital resources and all the things that we provide. But it speaks to what my ILS do, which is go out to where the need is and provide whatever that need is, mm. which goes back to what librarians do now, which is connect people with whatever it is they need. Mm. So, okay, got a question. Sorry, I think I feel like we diverted from four different questions and right. never answered is, any of is, them. This is called a conversation. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, okay, so could I come to you or any of your ILSs and say, you know, I really enjoy um, – pumpkin spice do you have a book that you can think of about pumpkin spice would they be able to like 
go find that? Is there like a secret? So magic? they can, but I'm sad that you keep tying them to books because I keep telling oh, you they're about so much right. more than that. <laughs> more than books. So could they give me a resource? Yes, they could give you a a full email or an entire page of resources. They could find you videos. They could find you um, websites with games on them that you could play related to pumpkin spice. Like now, I feel bad because you picked pumpkin spice, which is probably a hard one, and I know somebody's going to ask one of my ILS for, it, and they're going to be like, "Dang, Marco said we could find that," but. <laughs> They can, I promise, they can find it. Uh But uh, this is one of the things my ILS, one of the services they provide to teachers on their campus is looking at the curriculum and then finding just a myriad of resources that will assist that teacher in providing that instruction. So they may find a two-minute intro video on volcanoes. They might find a a hands-on activity that teachers can do with their students to teach biomes. Um, They can find all sorts of things, and they do that on a regular basis, find those things and provide them to their teachers. So now I know I can hit up you if I need some, like... That is correct. <laughs> I love doing that part. And I don't get to do it a lot now as a director because I'm stuck in budgets and paperwork and reports. So. Yeah, I'll help you come out of your rut. <laughs> Please do. Thank you. That's part of my job I love. Um, so I hear that this spring we're hosting an event called the Teen Book Conference. And if I go back to your bio, you are the co-chair. Is that I right? I am. So that's how... We accidentally got that. It's because I run it anyway. Accidentally. Yeah. <laughs> right. I run it anyway, and we were looking for somewhere to host it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we were thinking, why don't we just do it here? I'm already here in the building and in the district, and I can help organize that. So, yeah, Teen Book Con is – it's a massive event that's held in Houston every year, and it's open to all teens. Uh, and it's – we host 25 to 30 pretty famous young adult authors. Uh, Now, when we were in person, they would actually fly in. Mm -hmm. We had to be virtual last year. So, um, but we're hoping this year we'll be in person. And so they would actually fly in and spend a Saturday here in Aldine in one of our buildings. And students from our teens from around the Houston area can show up. It's free. You just, you can register in advance or register at the door and you spend the day with the authors. So students would travel through panels, listening to discussions. We have a pop-up bookstore on site mm. where, where families can buy books to be signed by Ooh, the that authors. Book fair. Go ahead. <laughs> yes, it's like book fair. Um, and you can get uh, autographed books. We usually end up with like 10 food trucks that will park outside. So we make it an all-day affair with lunch. We have activity booths with local businesses and uh, public libraries who come in and run booths where students can do activities between panel sessions. It's a pretty amazing thing. We we, we normally have about 2,000 teens show up This to is that amazing. Event. So our, I'm excited we're hosting it. Do you already have ideas of which um, authors are going to come? I'm not allowed to release oh, that information. Man. That information is normally released at the end of December. I have some requests. Um, so here's the exciting thing that tells you why this is such a, an amazing conference. We normally get about 250 publishers or authors who pitch their author, and we Ooh. have to dwindle it down. So How do I get on this committee? Oh, you said the magic words. <laughs> I'm going to call three people as soon as I get out of here and say, she's on the committee. <laughs> uh, but no, we have authors asking us if they can attend. We no longer have to beg people to oh, come. Oh, that's great. That's and and awesome. we get big names, like really big ones, like Jason Reynolds. We've had him in the past. Oh. Yeah. So we get huge names. Okay. I have two more questions. Okay. The first one is, <clears throat> you know, we've talked a lot about books and information. I want to make sure that we put in a plug so that parents who are listening, families who are listening, understand what kind of resources are available to them 
to help their students. I know it's not just about books, but literacy, right? And all the anywhere about literacy. Literacy and information literacy. And, and, and information literacy. But I think before you can even get to the information part, people have to be able to read and comprehend and understand, right? right? So how do we encourage that? Or how do parents encourage that kind of love or desire for exploration, right? Right. So I, I think having books around is important. Um, I grew up in I'm, – I'm a first-generation American, and I grew up um, a child of immigrants who didn't speak English. So um, my, my mother always made sure there were books around. She would take me to the public library. Uh, we used to be able to buy books for a dollar. See, the, the young people are going to look at us crazy <laughs> like again. What? <laughs> but we used to get – remember those pamphlets and we could buy books yes. for a dollar? And she would save up like 2 or $3 so I could have a couple of books. So we always had books around um, because she always told me reading is important. And she couldn't even read the books to me. But she always told me I should read them. So I always had a book in my hands. And I think that's important to surround students with books. So, you know, our libraries are full of books, great books that the ILS can recommend. So I suggest families reach out to the ILS on their campus and tell their kids, take advantage of that resource, go and check books out and bring them home. I also suggest that parents read to their children in their own language. So mm. if English is not your first language, you know, literacy is literacy. It's it's not English literacy. It's just literacy. And I think children need to hear their parents fluently reading in whatever language is spoken at home. Um, and I think that's a beautiful thing to be read in one language at home and then a different language at school. I, I think it's just amazing. So, yeah, yeah, surround your kids with books and read books to them or let them read to you. Love that. Last question. It's oh, no, one. I want to talk more. No, I have a whole page of stuff uh, I need so to talk about. I told about. you not to bring notes. <laughs> I know, but I didn't listen to you. Sorry. A <laughs> uh, hard question. It gets people every time. What's your favorite book? You only get okay, one. Okay, see, I was going to warn you earlier when you said you weren't going to make me name a favorite librarian that I don't do favorites. Um, and my whole family knows this. The only favorite I have is a favorite color. But I don't well, have like a— what's the favorite color? Favorite color is green. But I don't have like a favorite food or a favorite movie. I just don't do favorites. I don't believe in picking one thing. Um, I can tell you some books that I like. Okay, well, let me ask it this way. Okay. If, if, if someone said, hey, I haven't, I'm in a reading slump, what book would you encourage them to read? To get out of this lump. So this one's going to seem cliche, and you're probably going to know it because a lot of educators read it, but The Giver is one of my favorite books. I've never books. read it. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I'm going to get you a copy. <laughs> uh -huh. So The Giver, I think, speaks to, even though it was written a little while ago, I think it speaks to every generation. So I'm going to look at the young people while I describe it. Um, there are young people in the room. <laughs> <laughs> so it's set in a, in a future Earth where... The family, so you don't realize this until like maybe a chapter in or two in, that they've sort of taken away all choices. So everyone wears the same clothing. Uh, everyone is, is assigned to their family. Your job is assigned to you. Um, children are assigned to parents, and there's no color. Uh, all, everyone is served the same meal every day. So there's what they call sameness in the book. And one of the main character, the, the boy in the book, is chosen to receive memories from one member of the community who has memories of what things were like before. And so the entire book is the main character, Jonas, receiving these memories, seeing what the world was like, and deciding if he's just going to accept the way the world is now or if he thinks there should be a change. Okay, so clearly I'm adding another book to my to-be-read okay, list. Okay, it's a short one. You can probably read it in like two days. Okay. I told you my challenge with this Jody Picot book. I can really, I read pretty fast, 
but I've had to put that one down. So if you tell me I can read this one in two days. You can. I mean, it's got tough moments. You may have to put it down. Okay. <laughs> there's you know a baby. What? There's a whole thing oh, with the baby. No. I know. Sorry. <laughs> the good news is that I'm so grateful in Aldine, we still have choices and opportunities. Yes, we do. You see how I did that? that so I love that you did that. It was great to have you on the show. Before we even, you walked in the door, I knew this was going to be a great episode. You've, my Thank cheeks you. hurt from smiling. <laughs> I think people will laugh as they're listening. I hope so. That's all we have today. And Anything? I'm sad. I'm sad I didn't get to talk about my notes. I didn't get to read this book I brought. But you know what? Y'all all know who I am now. So that's right. Call me or reach out. I'm gonna send you an email and ask you to. Can you find me information on these things? Yes, pumpkin spice. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs>